For most Kenyans, the first e-commerce platform that they ever interacted with was OLX. Now, for those of you who might not know what OLX is, OLX was an e-commerce platform that basically borrowed its business model from eBay. So what that means is if you had any item that you did not necessarily have use for, you'd take a photo of it and post it on the platform and then hope for a buyer. So what would happen is the moment you uploaded the item, OLX will give you like a URL or a link that you can actually post to different Facebook marketplace pages and groups and whichever other platform that you had access to. And then if someone saw the link and really liked what you're selling, they would reach out to you and buy your product. Now, the number one thing that led to the success, quote-unquote, of this particular platform was the simplicity of how it operated, i.e., <laughs> that is to mean that the simplicity of knowing that I can post my item on the platform and get a buyer directly without dealing with any intermediaries made people sort of more inclined to use the platform. However, this same simplicity is the number one reason why the platform went under. And I'm going to try and explain that in a bit. So with, as with any digital platform, 90% of the people that are on it are there specifically to make business sense out of it and try and earn honest money. But the 10%, okay, these are just numbers I'm throwing out. I do not have like the statistics. But I also know that a small percentage or a small percentage of people that come to a platform are like rotten tomatoes. So you have one bad tomato and you put it in a basket or a bucket full of good ones, they end up going bad, all of them. So this 10% is what is the ones are the ones that I'm gonna focus on because what people will do is take a random photo of an item they have, and some would actually even just download a photo and say, I have this phone or this TV or this car, and I'm going to sell it. And then now they would put a super ridiculous low value to it that you are literally seduced to make sure that you don't miss out on the deal. And they would ask for down payments, and guys would send money, and then this number would just go offline. you know. And there are those who even would come to buy a product you had listed, and then just steal from you. So with that rise of negativity on the platform, the platform was soon to, like it was a no-brainer. When it went under, it was a no-brainer because if the, if the users on your platform do not necessarily have the surety that they are safe or their money is safe, then they're going to leave the platform. And I remember OLX had quite a number of PR um, PR trials, or are they trials or experiments? They did quite a number of campaigns. I remember Eric Omondi was one of their brand ambassadors, especially when it came to selling cars. The one thing that they tried to do on the platform is to make sure that um, they verify some of the vendors on the platform. So, for example, they said this one is a verified vendor, this one is not a verified vendor. And I think people had to pay a certain amount to be verified on the platform. The problem with that is... They, I think they forgot that the people that use their platforms are not necessarily the kind to check if a vendor is verified. And sometimes if I'm going to your platform, I'm assuming that you've already done your due diligence to make sure that whoever is listed on your, on your platform is a legit person. So they tried it and did quite a number of campaigns with the Recomondi, and then they did, they used to have this award, the social media awards, 
and i remember churchill kept winning year in year out extendela kept winning year in year out but as with any um platform that has gone under the one thing we remember is or the one thing you will remember is that at the end of the day regardless of the pr that you do if the people on your platform are not happy then they're not going to go back to that platform because no one is willingly going to lose their money and that was the end of where lex i know they rebranded to gigi i have never really taken time to go and peruse what gigi does or if they still employ the same business model but all in all i think whoever is going to transact on gigi and had a bad experience on ILX will most likely not go ahead with that transaction anyway why am i talking about ILX today i was on instagram and i was on larry madoo's page and there was a status or a story he had posted about jumia so he he was like swipe up to read the full article that i did on the bbc website and that is the premise of this episode so the title of the <laughs> of the article says jumia the e-commerce startup that fell from grace and it's weird to see this on an, on a bbc website because last year i saw a video that bbc did on jumia and they called it the amazon of africa and i'm not saying that it's a double standards kind of thing i just feel like in in one way or the other bbc is coming out as a strong platform so they'll tell stories they tell stories as they are without necessarily having to think about your past relationships so if you've been keen on uh, this jumia thing last year there was quite a, a hula baloo around the brand and the number one hula baloo was the fact that when jumia listed uh, like went public they said it was the first african startup to be listed on the nyc uh, nyse so new york stock exchange market and people came out and said there's no way you guys can comfortably call yourself an african startup when in fact your ceo or your founders are not even african and then number 2 if you look at uh, your headquarters your your, head, your hq is in germany and then your tech is handled in portugal and then your full or like the top management is in dubai so how do you call yourself an african startup and there was this back and forth because the jumia guys were saying if you look at the company uh, a bigger percentage of our employees are africans uh, we have a presence in quite a number of african countries but the question then goes to ask is does that make you an african company because if you look at ibm or microsoft all these companies have a presence in africa but they don't call themselves african startups the thing that i think they should have said is the first african their first no not african startup <laughs> they just they should they should have said the most valuable or the most highly valued startup in africa not african startup like yes we accept the fact that you have operations in africa but you don't necessarily need to call yourself african because what they were doing is trying to i think take advantage of the fact that when they say they are african startup then people are going to rally behind them people came out and said you guys are trying to take advantage of the african name just say you are a startup in africa but not necessarily an african startup and i remember one of my facebook friends had posted on a page sort of a meme so it had like i think 100 um white people and then like three 
Africans. And the caption on it was uh, the number of startups in Africa who have been able to access funding. So just to give a brief context to that statement, quite a number of startups in Africa are actually run by non-Africans. And this has always been an issue with uh, the startup founders who are actually African because they say they cannot access funding. And if you do not know how most startups operate is they create a product or launch a product, make sure that it's profitable, not even profitable. They just need to prove the concept and then they go out and raise funding. So once they raise funding, they go back and work harder. And then if they need more money, they go for series B and then C. So they keep raising money. And it's a very um, sad situation because I remember also listening or watching a video by Gary Vee. And what he was saying was that most entrepreneurs of today are more focused on raising funding as opposed to running businesses because the moment uh, the company or a startup starts um, registering a number of users or a number of like if they start making a little bit of money they go out and raise more money so the problem with most startups according to him was the fact that people are not necessarily interested in running businesses they're more interested in raising funds and the funding keeps helping the company valuation go high. Because I remember the moment Jumia listed, it listed at $14, $14.50. And then within just four days, it had shot to almost $50. It was, I think, at $49.77. And that that $49.77 per share shot its value to almost $3.8 billion. And now that you're talking about money, last year, was it last year, the CEOs, the two CEOs, took, they both took home an equivalent of 530 million Kenya shillings. That is an annual salary. But still, for a company that was making $24.6 billion in losses, I think that was sort of an overkill. So just looking at... Uh, this whole situation, it makes you wonder where the future of our startup community lies, especially in Africa and Kenya in particular, because at the end of the day, we need to create and work on startups that are actually sustainable as opposed to just going out there and raising money. So going back to this Larry Mado article, it has quite a number of references, uh, mostly Nigerian references. Because uh, people are saying that uh, the current value, which is, I think, around $2, uh, most people are saying that that is actually uh, the true reflection of the, of the company's valuation. Because, yes, there's the hype around it. And there's even a conversation where people say that uh, the listing on the, on the NYSE was sort of a strategy by the founders to help the initial investors to sort of get their money out. So what happens is, and this is in reference to the article, so what happens? What happened was they listed at $14, and then by the time it was shooting to $49, the original founders had already, uh, or f not founders, the original uh, investors had already pulled their money out. So at the end of the day, if you are investing in Jumia, you're basically going to lose your money because imagine buying your stocks at $49 and then, it just shoots back down to $2. Anyway, 
I'm not going to dwell very much into the numbers and any other details around this thing. Feel free to go and check out Larry Mado's article on bbc.com. Just go or just go to Google and type Larry Mado, comma, Jumia article. It's going to come as the first article uh, on the search results. Anyway, uh, if you're new here, my name is Sebastian and I just want to officially Welcome you to the Gumzo Africa podcast. Around here we talk about what is happening in the business and tech spaces. Remember to like, share and subscribe depending on the platform that you're listening this on. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace out.